Hey friends, Dean here with some exciting news to share. You can now buy us a coffee. That's right. You can help support independent content creators like us by becoming a member of the 3324 Green Room at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324. Our episodes will always be free and that will not change, but your support at buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 will help us continue to bring you the best in music and movie podcasting, in our humble opinion. As a Green Room supporter, you'll not only have our undying gratitude, but you'll also be able to vote on which episodes we record and receive other perks for as low as $3 per month. That's the price of a cup of coffee. There's absolutely no obligation and nothing about the show will change. It's not going behind a paywall. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash 3324 for all the details. The link will be in the show notes of every episode as well. We'll see you in the green room. In this episode, we're taking a nice brisk walk through the wildflowers as Dean and I discuss Tom Petty's seminal 1994 release. Stay with us. Get ready for the 3324 Podcast, where lifelong friends Dean Legiro and Eric Coover share their love of all things music and movies. Dean has directed short films and is a music trivia buff. And Eric, trained in audio engineering, brings his extensive knowledge of music and film to the conversation as they discuss, debate, and celebrate their favorite albums, films, and much more. Welcome back, our friends, to the show that never ends. This is the 3324 Podcast. My name is Eric Cooper. I am here with Dean Legiro. And yes, I am in the center seat tonight. Dean made me do this. <laughs> Didn't you, I, Dean? I, I, this seat, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. This seat feels kind of strange. I was wondering what was going on. <laughs> this is like, the, this like is this seat, is this how it feels? This seat has like no cushioning in it? Is yeah, this... right. I, you know, it's okay. just, you know, the, the crappy seat. You know, uh, you get the cushy one most of the time. And I'm wow. I'm kind of like, you know, right, so sitting on, some, the, on, some, on the wooden some chair. Upgrades, <laughs> upgrade, some upgrades are in order. I'm going to get you a new chair. I'm okay. sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> Hey, if you're joining us, then then we know that you know exactly where to find us. But if for, for those who don't know where to find us, you can check us out on 3324.buzzsprout.com, the ultimate hub for podcasting. Uh, you could catch us on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, all the major podcasts. We're, we're available there. Um, we're also available on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, where we do have you know, extra trivia. We have bi-weekly live shows. So catch us there. We appreciate your your support, your your listening in. And Dean, we're doing the first episode of November. And guess what? This what? is our first full-on music episode in quite a while, isn't it? Yeah, we've done a whole month of Halloween stuff. So I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to listen to music. Spooktober is over. Was, it is over. <laughs> right. Well, we uh, we had a blast with this month. I, I think it went well. I think we had special thanks to everyone who participated in our live shows. Congratulations to all our winners in in our Monster Mash. A special thanks go, go out, goes out to Andrew Kameens for helping us out with a couple episodes of The Crow and our top three horror icons episodes. So I can't think of a better way to start off the month of November than to talk about this album uh, Tom Petty's uh, Wildflowers. It was. Uh, let's get to some stats here about the album straight out straight out the gate here. Um, it was released on November first in nineteen ninety four. Produced by Rick Rubin, uh, co-produced by Tom Petty and and Mike Campbell. And 
it was recorded in the famous Sound City. The sessions began in July of 1992 and ended in July of 94. Took two years to make this album. That is incredible. I mean, that is just absolute. I mean, you, there's no way that you can do that today. There's no way that anybody could have that kind of studio time today. It's absolutely insane. It spawned four singles. You don't know how, how it feels. You wreck me. Good to be king and higher and a higher place. And it was certified th- three times platinum. So three million copies, not a nice. slouch whatsoever. Nice. Of course, it was outdone by your favorite, which is uh, <laughs> Full Moon Fever. <laughs> five times platinum there but of course the real monster his best-selling album of all of all is his greatest hits album it's and yeah. it's so well it's got everything on it i mean for crying out loud 12 million copies it, there you know it, so. it better be his biggest selling album it's got all of his hits yeah we're heading into eagles territory right there <laughs> yes, right? Eagles. i was just gonna that, that's what i was thinking of when you said that i'm like yeah. i'm like the eagles great you know greatest hits is like one of the top selling albums of all time and it better be right yeah Right. I mean, Thriller is the number one, but that's basically like a greatest no, hits album actually, anyway. Eagles outdid Thriller. I, just, I just read it. I, yeah. I, I'm actually so, just read an article about that. So Eagles is back on top. The best-selling album of, of Greatest of Hits time. Volume 1. Volume 1. Yep. Anyway, let's let's before we get into the album Wildflowers, let's scale it back a bit. Let's talk a little bit about of our, our uh, personal history in Tom Petty. I'm kind of intrigued by this portion of the conversation because mm-hmm. i don't really know where you stand with tom petty honestly i really i mean we, we talk about him all the time yeah and yet there are times where you're like really excited about the guy and then there are times where you're just kind of like yeah he was good you know he was you know he's okay you know but so what was the, what was what was the moment for you like when was the first time that you really you know that you actually got into tom petty well, you, well I, you, you know i think much like the eagles He's one of those artists that has those that has that catalog of all those songs that you know, and maybe it's yeah. one or two one or two per album. The first Tom Petty album I bought, oddly enough, is probably his worst or his least popular. It's Let Me Up, I've Had Enough. Okay. Because they, yeah. they used to play the video for Jam and Me Jam and on me, yeah. MTV all yeah. the time. <laughs> and I, I liked it. It's just like a catchy, it's a, it's kind of a chunky guitar song co-written yeah. by Bob Dylan. So I'm like, let me let me get that. So I picked up the cassette. And, and as it was back then, I only listened to ever listened to that one song. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, so the rest um, of the album didn't do it for you. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't even think I bothered. I just bought it to listen to Jam, oh, to really? Jam and Me and just okay. listen to that over and over. Um, I, I think when Tom Petty really came to the forefront, though, it was probably Traveling Wilburys. Yeah. You know, really kind of brought him. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, in, into the spotlight as as an artist and not like the Heartbreakers and this and this kind of, you know, he was doing great for himself. But I think the, the Wilburys just kind of uplifted him mm-hmm. as a as an artist and then and then right into Full Moon Fever trajectory. Yeah, let's, let's let's touch upon that a little bit. My from speaking for myself, I I was never really a big avid classic Heartbreakers fan. I mean, I of course the songs were all over the radio. They 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 were very much part of the soundtrack of our lives. We we keep referring to that, but uh, it was more. I think it was MTV really that got me into Tom Petty. It mm-hmm. was the videos that he was making. Yeah, you got lucky. Um, That's one of my favorite know, songs by him of all time. Yeah, absolutely. And but again, the album not great. It's just the song. But, and, it's, and then more than that, it's the music video with that extra piece of music in the beginning. And it's that yep. it has a story. And I think it's, it's uh, Mad Max-ish. Yeah. Bar none. I think those are some of the, still some of the finest music videos ever made yeah. uh, from the classic MTV era. 
and of course the you know the the song he did with Dave Stewart for the uh, Southern, Southern accents. Don't come LP, around here no more. Don't come around here no. Which was so odd at the time, and it was just. But that got me kind of thinking, because Dave Stewart always kind of reminded me of Jeff Lynn. Sure. Right. So he's mm-hmm. doing this guy. He's doing something with this guy. He's, it's all like sort of like this, this drum machines and is totally yeah. unlike anything Petty had, had ever done yep. before. The signs were there. The signs. I, were I think, there. I exactly. think in, in Southern accents, this, I think the signs were there that he was thinking maybe about, or maybe it wasn't maybe, you know, I mean, the heartbreakers have always been like this band, right? They're like, Oh, mm-hmm. like one for all and one for all for one. And yeah, like the three Musketeers. Yep. Even, even though it's Tom Petty and the heartbreakers, it's kind of like, they've always been kind of like a, a, a unit mm-hmm. and yeah. And then he, you know, once he does like traveling Wilburys and then go solo, um, I'll be honest. The, the heartbreakers got kind of whiny except for Mike Campbell. He took it like a man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a minute in, in, in a bit. So we'll we'll discuss that at length. But because uh, I that's one of my favorite favorite stories. And I know, you know, that's the, exactly the heartbreakers right. crying. The heartbreakers got their heart broken <laughs> by Tom Petty. Oddly enough, Tom Petty was the one that no, did it. Actually, it, it, I think it was they got but their heart broken by Jeff Lynn. Yeah. Jeff Lynn well, was the guy. He was the, they'll get over it. the outsider, as it were, <laughs> according to them. But anyway, um, but yeah, uh, I, I agree. The 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 Wilburys, that, that whole thing was just amazing. That was just an amazing and 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 oddly enough, I I really was really into the all the collaborative things that he had done prior to the Wilbur. You, you think about what he was doing with Stevie Nicks um, when mm-hmm. you know the, with the Heartbreakers being more or less the house band for her Belladonna album, um, and then of course the you know the the song you know don't. Uh, stop dragging my heart around and 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 the other song on on her second solo lp too which was another duet that it, that they did um and then of course the you know the stuff with dave stewart so yeah it was that stuff and the mtv period that that really kind of got me in, into petty more or less more into him as an interesting figure mm-hmm. rather than tom petty and the heartbreakers which again yeah. was just you know sort of just americana straightforward you know but to me, sort of unremarkable up to that point because I, I didn't have any of their albums specifically. I, you know, the, you know, you think of Dan the Torpedoes and Hard Promises. I, I, I didn't have any of those albums. Mm-hmm. I just, I just didn't really even know what songs came from what album. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of like because they were all so close together at that point. You know, so you the years go by and you just hear. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers on the radio. Yeah. The latest well, I think hit. he's one of those those artists that you took for granted. Exactly. Like, kind of like Billy yeah. Squire and the Cars and yeah. Billy artists Joel. of that era that had yeah, that yeah. had all these hits. That's and right. They they would come out with such regularity that yeah, the lines get a little blurred. You're not sure what what album this was or or what you know, what it's just like, oh yeah, there's another great is another great song, you know. Yeah. You got lucky and the waiting and you know, change of heart. Like so many things just kind of roll out we're rolling out of them. Mm-hmm. That yeah, it's just like oh, yeah, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Okay, they're they're great. You're <laughs> That's like, right. right. And and but then when when I think when Southern Accents came out is like you're right. And like we talked about before, the MTV effect, right? With the mm-hmm. don't come around here here no more video was just so groundbreaking and striking. The whole Alice in Wonderland thing and and yeah. and the trippiness of it, kind of all of a sudden that got into heavy rotation and that just kind of pushed push the heartbreakers like really in front and center as a, as not only a, a music group, but as a, a visual, a visual yeah. group too, that made really good videos or interesting videos. There was a level of creativity there that was, that was happening. And that's what I admired about Petty. He wasn't afraid to go there. He loved the camera. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you just, yeah. <laughs> he had such presence 
uh, I recall seeing Stevie Nicks uh, in concert. I had never seen Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. They were one of those groups that just got away from me. Um, but I recall seeing Stevie Nicks at Radio City, and he came out to do just a few songs with her. And God, what a badass. I mean, he just, he just you know, the stage <laughs> president. And this was really early on. We're talking like 83. Mm. And this is before all of this other stuff, you know, came out. So I, you know, so that was the moment for me. I was like, yeah, this guy is, this guy's pretty cool, you know? So, and then we yeah, get he to. He wasn't like an A-list. He wasn't an A-lister then. No. You know, like Tom. No, like by with, no when means. Stop Dragging My Heart came around. They were kind of like, like maybe a C or a B or a C-lister. I mean, they were not, they were a, a, a regular act and yep. very successful, but they were not where they would be by 92. Yeah, but they got to the, but they, but well, they did get to the level of, of, you know, somebody took notice and asked them, you know, Bob Dylan, you know, they needed a, a, an opening act. (laughs) I think it was at the time. And they, somebody, you know, requested that it be Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And it's like, well, they don't open for anybody. They're big enough where they're probably not going to want to open for Bob. Why why not back Bob Dylan? Sort of like a la the band back in the day. And that was a major, major success, that tour. And it was a huge, you know, and yeah. I think coming right coming off that tour, right? This is where it all started, right? With the Well, it start actually started during that tour. Yeah, was I Wilk- think when they were playing yeah. in uh in Dylan was playing in England somewhere. Yep. And and at the time Jeff Lynn and, and George Harrison were were kind of creating their relationship and becoming good friends. So they went to go see Dylan. Yeah. You know, and at, at, at in concert, and of course Petty was there, and then they went backstage and they all kind of exchange pleasantries and that was kind of the end of it i mean they just kind of met and like, okay yeah this is really cool yeah they kind of well and, we got to give credit where credit's due i mean i think it was this the album that started the whole shebang was <laughs> an album a little album called cloud nine which jeff lynn had produced for george harrison and i think i, that's I might what, go i might go further back hang on because there's a rule i don't know I've, I've only read the story once okay but you know, because there's all these different stories about how that happened, but I would go back to Dave Edmonds' album Information that Jeff Lynn produced, and he wrote a lot of the songs on it. From what I've read, mm-hmm. um, George Harrison was was looking to have Dave Edmonds produce his album. Oh, and he okay. said, I'm, "I can't. I'm not available or something. Why don't you reach out to Jeff Lynn?" Interesting. Yeah, did yeah. not know so, that. So I think his work with Dave Edmonds might have kind of laid the ground the the really like the early you want to talk about like digging the foundation i think this was like the shovel work that, that they did when when, okay. when jeff lynn worked with dave edmonds so this and, was a full-on i didn't realize that was a full-on album that jeff lynn had produced so dave yeah. edmonds was the first artist that he had produced full-on a full-on album full, yeah and then he did most of his second album and, and wrote okay. a lot of the stuff for the second his second uh riffraff or whatever it was called so you know, but yeah learned- but, but cloud nine is like the you want to start the timeline yeah Start That's start it with if you're gonna collect we we, we absolutely <laughs> could do it and we could do an like an eighty seven to ninety three episode of just all of the all of those people in the orbit because there's so many albums that came out rapid fire That's right like, literally one like if it wasn't George right. Harrison it was Tom Petty it was it was Roy Orbison it was the Wilburys and then it was Jeff Lynne and then it was another Wilbur you know like That's right there there was there was so much going on almost like they were like four people doing the work of Phil Collins. <laughs> oh, right. Like, like what Phil Collins did from like 81 to like 88 yeah. or something like yeah. four people. It took four people to do from like 87 to like 92 or 93. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and boy, we were there for all of it, weren't we? It was yeah. an exciting time. I saw, Pe- I saw Petty during the full moon fever tour. You did. Yeah. Uh, in New York. And I was like hoping I'm like, Oh, 
uh, I don't know. I think I was actually hope for some odd reason. I, I think it was pie in the sky to expect that Jeff Lynn would would come out. But I think I was hope. I don't know if Ringo Starr <laughs> was in the in, in in New York at the time or something. Like, oh, maybe he'll come because he was in the video. Yeah, uh, yeah. For won't back down and and but so yeah, I got to see him there, and that was just like a, that was like seeing the Who. It was just like a greatest hits. It was just like boom, 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 yeah. like one song after the other, just kind of rolling it off, and then the stuff from Full Moon Fever. So it was a great show. Petty got a copy of Cloud Nine. Right. He, you know, he listened to the album, loved it, loved the way it sounded, loved the production on it. Uh, the story goes, right. It's they're They're both Jeff Lynn and Tom Petty living in LA at this point. I think it was Jeff Lynn driving down. What is it? Sun- Sunset Boulevard or so. And he sees Tom Petty, like they stop for a red light. Tom Petty pulls up right alongside him and said, Hey, you know, what's going on? So they pull over. So they're basically talking about cloud nine and, and you know, you know, you did such a great job. Would you be interested in doing something for me? And of course, Jeff Lynn just jumped on it. And he's just, yeah. So yep. it, it sort of started there. I mean, simultaneously, we had that going on and the Wilburys starting at the same time. So, but Wilburys came out first because they they kind of just yeah. banged that out, didn't they? I mean, you yeah. Know, yeah, I, I think that I think this put Tom Petty on the path to understanding that there's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and then there's Tom Petty. Yeah. You know, and, and that he got it, he kind of said, well, he, kind of figured well i can do some stuff that's just me yeah and it can be different and and it doesn't have to you know because they worked with jimmy iovine like year after year in production and and he records a certain way they record live they just lay everything down like play it and, and that's pretty much it and I, and I think that's this is where the awakening that leads to wildflowers i think that that's where this mm-hmm. stuff happening is interacting with the wilburys and, and being in a different group of people um different ways of working and I think that kind of all this stuff through here kind of, I think, laid the groundwork for for wildflowers where where we're, we're going to land at. And to tie up the Jeff Lynn stuff, I don't think just to put it out there, I don't think Jeff Lynn could have done wildflowers. No, like there's, there's no way that that the stuff on wildflower. I, I hear where Tom Petty learned stuff from Full Moon Fever. But Wildflowers, I think, is is him taking everything that he's learned from those past few years and then bringing it and internalizing it and saying, well, now here's what here's what it's going to be like as me. Absolutely. You know, yep. and, and, and I think that's where I think that's what where Wildflowers is kind of. And I don't know if that's why people like it so much, because it's the anti full moon fever in, in a way. Yeah, um, because it's it's I it's, can see it. You know, it's it's got a it's got a, a, a certain sound to it, which again, like I said, Jeff Lynn would would not have been able to achieve because he's an architect, and Rick Rubin is more of a recorder, and he kind of understands the artist, and he kind mm-hmm. of le- kind of like lets them do what they need to do, but but helps to guide them, and 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 you don't feel, there's not really like a Rick Rubin imprint, like he doesn't have a particular sound, he's got a particular style of working with different artists because he's worked with you know tom petty the Avery brothers the cult i knew him from the beastie boys when they used to make yeah, those goofy, he did a lot of goofy music videos like like he was like he was like almost like a de facto member of the beastie boys making those goofy videos like rick rubin was in all those videos he was like a young guy and when they're <laughs> yeah. blowing up things on the beach and, and just doing all the goofy stuff that the beastie boys did in the beginning <laughs> yep. rick rubin was like right at the forefront so that's where i kind of knew him from license to ill i was like so oh, was, he's, yeah, yeah it was it was an odd choice at first and i think it what happened was with you know uh tom petty's um left MCA records at this point wanted to jump over to, to Warner brothers. And I think the head of Warner brothers at the time introduced him to Rick Rubin. And so that that's how that relationship started. But yeah. even then I think Petty was thinking Rick Rubin, like he, you know, 
But I think what happened was there was at the at the at Bob Dylan's 30th anniversary concert that they that they did. He had seen Rick Rubin standing in the wings, and Rick Rubin was was listening to oddly enough, he was listening to a lot of Neil Young, sort of acclimating himself to the music of Neil Young, and and I, I perhaps he was like looking to work with him at some point or whatever. But that's when Tom Petty kind of knew, like, yeah, I could I could work with this guy because mm-hmm. you know he gets that kind of music as well, despite the fact that he did all this other kind of stuff which is well yeah before that he was known for like thrash he was known for slayer i mean he worked with a diverse group of artists and then he would go on to work with johnny cash with the american recording stuff so more so now i think he kind of skews towards that way but yeah he was a nice foil and again like i said he's kind of like the anti-jeff lynn Mm. which is i think is what petty needed is just a space to work in and people to work with to help not to shape the sound but to help guide the sound as it were that's right full moon fever you know was a monster album. And I mean, that, that I, I remember specifically the moment <laughs> that you first heard the album and, and see if you agree. Right. Oh boy. Do, do you remember? I mean, no. I, okay. <laughs> if it's embarrassing, don't say it. No, it's not embarrassing at all. It's actually pretty, pretty cool because okay. I had the, I had, I actually had the album first. I had it on cassette. I had, I had just bought it, listened to it a couple of times. And, um, you had that sky blue Camaro, mm-hmm. you remember? And, oh, and it absolutely. Was, and it was it was a beautiful car, but it was a biggest piece of junk. It was no, it was, but it was a freaking it was It was cool to have a Camaro. It was a freaking tin can, is what it was, because it was so <laughs> uncomfortable to sit yes. in that damn thing. And you had those white <laughs> those white bucket seats, and it was just kind of like oh, you know, like this. And I distinctly remember having the cassette, and we were going to dinner with our friend John. And uh, I don't know what the occasion was. I think it was just probably celebrating a night of of Nathan's or some arcade, you know, frivolty Def- or whatever. Defender you know? and Gauntlet, <laughs> Pac Man and Ms. Pac Man. So, so we put the date was, put, you know, so we put the cassette in and we're kind of blasting this thing. And I, re- and I distinctly remember, like running down a dream, you kept hitting the rewind button on that song. And we, I think we must have listened to that song like three times in a row. Really, Man, yeah. I don't remember that. You don't. Okay. No. That, that was the moment that we, I thought that you and I would have like been like, yeah, this is the, this, we're, we like Tom Petty now. You yeah. Know? So that was for me, full moon fever was, was, yeah, I was a Tom Petty. Oh, yeah. Petty no, absolutely. Full, that, that became point. full on. Yeah. He was kind of there and, and it absolutely became full on. So he invited, this is, a, this is his first solo record. He invited several members of the Heartbreakers to play on it. And this is where this story gets a little interesting. Um, they come in. They're not used to, you know, first of all, they don't, they don't, they don't really like this. We're talking Howie Epstein, Stan Lynch, and Ben Montench. Now, the three of them, they were kind of like talking smack about the album, like, you know, out there. We don't like this. We don't like the music. We don't care for it. Um, yeah. Mike Campbell is like Tom Petty's right hand man. He, he, he'll, he'll do, do whatever. Yeah, right, he'll do exactly. whatever. So, yeah. So they, he'll show it, he'll show up to the opening of an envelope. Needless to say, it's like you mentioned before, the very regimented style of Jeff Lynn's production was not something that they were used to at all. They I mean no. they came in and they're just not used to some guy telling them you got to come in and play just this little bit of music and then leave the room. You know, they were used to the sort of hanging out and the, you know just sort of 
you know, and playing live and, and recording and live, playing live and doing playing what they it live do. and recording. Yeah, it. yeah, laying exactly. it, laying it down live, which was what their work ethic was with Jimmy Ivy. Right. The I, the odd thing for me is okay. So there was that already that tension that was there. So then the the odd thing was was Tom Petty decided the, the next album to do, which was Into the Great Wide Open. I guess maybe he thought maybe by calling it a heartbreakers record, having the full on band come back and then being we're doing, involved. This is, Tom Petty, this is Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. He does the same thing. He picks Jeff yeah. Lynn to produce it. And once again, Jeff Lynn, very hands on, right? He's, he's not just a producer. He plays, he sings, he co-writes, you know, he's really involved in yeah. this stuff. And it's like, and this really, once, and, and this really put Stan Lynch over the edge because th- at that point he just had it he's like yeah. i i don't he was like already this, he was you know. already boiling over yeah so which is it which is a shame but you know creative differences and you know like tom petty said it's like you know i don't really nobody really cares how an album's made you, you just you try to make the best album you can yeah and you use whatever tools you yeah know, they, they were whatever, they were a little you know. butt hurt by it oh you know Exactly. We don't we don't do it this way, or I'm not going to play this or that. It's like, all right, well, I mean, Tom, you know, just to wrap it up, I guess Tom Petty sided with Jeff Lynne both times. It's not like he said, "Oh, Jeff Lynne, get out of here." That's right. His allegiance was to was to doing something different. It could have been anybody. Not to go on, you know, to make this all about Jeff Lynne. It could have been any producer. His thing was, I'm, I need to try something different. I want right. to do some different things. And ex- that's exactly why it's not a Heartbreakers record because we're not going to do it like a Heartbreakers record. And that, like I said, that set the the his kind of feet on the path of under understanding and if you look at the, the discography it was full moon fever mm-hmm. into the great wide open and then another solo album not counting the greatest hits right yeah. so it was literally two two solo albums sandwiched in between one album with the guy that he worked on with with his first solo album you know so right. so that kind of kind of gives you some indications that he was really kind of chomping at the bit and and it's like he wanted them on board. Like, yeah, you guys are invited to come on board, but they were just kind of like, oh, we don't, you know, I, I think they warmed up to it a little bit. I read some recent interview with Ben Montench. Like, yeah, I know. I kind of get what Jeff Lynn was doing. It's just at the time he actually thanked Jeff. I just read an interview. He thanked Jeff Lynn because he, because Ben Montench was so like alcoholic and into drugs. He's like, because I had nothing to do, mm-hmm. I had no choice but to go to rehab. We're, we're oddly enough. So he's like, I kind of thanked Jeff. Jeff Lynch for, for for dismissing me and then <laughs> for, for not using yeah not using me so me to- <laughs> well, yeah so I think that I think that brings us to wildflowers where it's kind of like here here he is yeah he's he's kind of now carved out his own identity exactly and right? he, he's now and he, he's now also Tom Petty he's not just Tom Petty of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers he's now kind of like what Bruce Springsteen did with the E Street Band he broke from them and started making Bruce Springsteen albums and then would have also the E Street Band albums very much. Um, in total creative control here. Rick Rubin kind of came in and, and he was, you know, he, you're right. He, he invited the heartbreakers to come, come in uh, to play on the record. And he kind of wanted to have that sort of live band feel again. Um, but they, but they ended, you know, Tom Petty knew better at this point. He knew not to do it like the heartbreakers do it. Like they cut the, tr- some of these tracks really early on and they're very much, um, I haven't actually got to listen to it yet, but I do have the, uh, the finding wildflowers, the alternate versions mm-hmm. of some of the songs. A lot of, I've read the liner notes on the album, and a lot of those tracks actually have it's just Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. So I would imagine, and they do say that they are very much in sort of going back to the old style of the way mm-hmm. they used to do things. And Tom, at this point, Tom Petty's like, we've been there. I, I, you know, we didn't bound this road before. 
I want to try something different here. Mm-hmm. So he had total control, creative yeah. reign in that studio, using the studio, not relying on somebody like Jeff Lynn at this point. He's he's the man now. He's he's he knows exactly where he wants to be, ready to try different things. And yeah, and, I, I think when just, you call it a solo album too, it's it's yeah. it's less it's less democratic. Right, because yeah. if you if it's a if if it's a Heartbreakers album, they they are they, they, you know, and then the Heartbreakers they weren't just like like paid employees, it was a group. I mean, they were they were a group, even though they were and the Heartbreakers, mm-hmm. and, and so they have a say. I mean, they had a say in those things, and I think when you but then when you say, well, I'm going to make a solo album, and you guys can play on it, or I want you to play on it, he's kind of getting the best of both worlds, right? He's getting his band. But then he's also able to say, well, we're not going to do it just this way. Or we may do some songs this way. That's and right. Some other songs are going to be a little bit different. And you can hear that in, in the album. Some songs are kind of sound like turn the mics on, put put the faders up and go. And then some songs are really have have some really nice production values to them and some mm-hmm. strings and and some some of those lush things that you that you wouldn't expect to hear based on the contrasting other songs that you hear like Honeybee. And like there's some really hard edge stuff on, on this album. And then it's contrasted with some really delicate and, and and introspective stuff too. So that that's kind of really um, what 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 grabbed you about because this this was your choice this album. You're like I want to really want to do Wildflowers. Why? I because you always mention this album when you, you never really mentioned Full Moon Fever. Uh, you know, and my and my younger self, Highway Companion. If I were to say like what what if you were to ask me what's your favorite album, and if you were to ask like me. 25 years ago, I would have most definitely said either Full Moon Fever. I use, I also liked Into the Great Wide Open. Mm-hmm. I, I love that album as well, because to me, it was more or less an extension of the same kind of thing. But, uh, you know, this is the kind of album you kind of grow into. And, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, unfortunately, you, you go through some experiences that makes you appreciate the album for what it is. And because this is his most personal. Mm-hmm. He's definitely wearing his emotions on his sleeve. Much to the amazement and and the the surprise of of his you know his close bandmates you know they because he had never really written songs to, to this degree before I mean he mm-hmm. was going through some some stuff at this point he, you know his marriage uh, was falling apart Stan Lynch leaving the band had some you know that 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 had something to do with it as well <laughs> Mr. I mean, Mr. Cranky right. Pants yeah that had you know. <laughs> Um, so they had but to they get into, Steve, but they got Steve Ferroni. I mean, Steve Ferroni, uh, right? Who you came know, on? You, I, I think you know. I, I like Stan Lynch's drumming. It's kind of like a little. It's it's much looser and, and a little more kind of untamed. But Steve Ferroni, I think, is a, is definitely a trade up. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, because he, he on this album he kind of bri- he he's got that kind of drumming that's kind of forceful, but it's grounded and it's very solid. And and for the for like you know, uh, you wreck me and stuff like that. You need someone like that. He's like a pocket. He's like a pocket drummer. And and he really, I think he really helps kind of tie this album together and, and give it, you know, for those up-tempo songs, I think he absolutely helps give it a tighter feel. Uh, yeah, I agree. Not so loosey-goosey. Uh, to, to say that I got into this album in 94, you know, it, that's not true. I, I It, it mm-hmm. took me, it actually took me a couple of years. I mean, I, I had to go through those experiences to kind of relate to it. Mm-hmm. And, but when I did, when I actually listened to the album full on, I, it was an experience that, to me, and it's not an album that I can, that I can, it's not my first choice. Full Moon Fever would be my first choice. Mm-hmm. If I were, oh, I'm going to p- listen to Tom Petty today. It's going to be that or the greatest hits or whatever. Mm-hmm. This album is just one of those albums for me that, that just, uh, you know, I put it away on the shelf and I cherish because it's just for me is finest hour. 
mm-hmm. in terms of just the level of songwriting and just how many songs that he was writing at this his most prolific period, I think. I mean, he'd be finishing one track one day and, and you know, doing multiple takes on one track, get that done. And then he's already had another song r- written. And OK, well, here's another one for you. And, you know, the album was supposed to be a double album upon release. It was supposed to be 25 tracks long. Of course, at this point, there was really no such thing as vinyl anymore. Um, so it would it would have been a, a long form CD. And of course, the record uh. company was like, it's way too long. You got to turn it down. <laughs> yeah. nah. But 15 songs is still a long yeah. CD. Absolutely. Right? I mean, that's I mean, back in the day, 15, a 15 song album, that would have been a double album in the 70s. Yeah, easily. You know? Yeah. So for me, it's what what's remarkable about this record more than anything is how warm it feels and inviting it feels. Mm-hmm. You are in the room with this with these group of people and you're there for the duration. It, you know, I just love the mood it, it it sends and and the place that I'm in the when I when I when I listen to it it does require your full attention you know because there are a lot of songs that are acoustic they're stripped down they're you know it's not the full on heartbreaker sound like you said before there are some rockers to it I don't I don't listen to this album and say this sounds like you know long after dark or any of those yeah. things like like even right. the the hard stuff is different it's a it's a hard it's harder than the heartbreaker stuff that he does yeah. as well, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it, it is, it's, it's, and it's got a different, it's got a different feel to it. It doesn't Flavor. have like those, the Ben Montench like keyboards in the back where he's just kind of holding the notes and kind of, you know, like that organy stuff. So this, even though he's on the album, it, it's, and the heartbreakers are there, it, they're used in a different way and it's got such a different feel to it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of like really nice layering and, and there's, there's horns yeah. on this album. There's strings. Michael Kamen, composer yeah, at the film. end of good to be king right it's yeah, got full, that whole string yeah. outro right that's right and you know uh, this allowed for other other people to come in know some notable uh cameos on this album were uh carl wilson sings on a couple of tracks um and ringo star you know came yeah. in for some and these were earlier sessions but they um but he was there nonetheless and so you know so people kind of came and went and and it took, like I said, two years to make the damn thing. So, you know, you plenty it, of time for guests. It, it's not going to it's not going to sound <laughs> exactly the same when you first started to when, you know, right up till the end. So, yeah, um, especially if you rework the songs. I mean, you know, the, you know, there's that massive. What is it? What is it like a four? Is it like a four LP set or, you know, they did like the double album and then. Yeah, um, it's then three. they released released something called what was it called uh, Angel Dream? Which yeah, was several some of the remnants from that became went to the well, went the to ten, the next Petty's yeah, uh, right, next Heartbreakers ten, album, which was the soundtrack to She's the One. A ten which was songs the, the that were release. omitted from from the initial release were uh, four of those tracks did appear on that and on and She's did, the One on yeah. She's the One. And what they did was take some of those songs and actually write little instrumental passages of the melodies of those songs, and they so it was almost like a score, yeah, as well for that as well. And they reconfigured that into into an, an actual album. Because yeah. they kind of, sh- you know, shed the the movie side of it, I guess, because the like, maybe the movie's just that forgettable or something. I, I love, I've, I love. She's the one. It's fun. It's Edward Burns. Yeah. I love it. It's yeah. It's it's a it's a uh, it's a cult classic. I'd never but, seen uh, it actually, oh, but uh, you know, yeah. I, I, I like it. I like I, I like the stuff that Edward Burns was doing around then, like Brothers McMullen and stuff okay. like that. Like yeah, she's yeah. the one is right is the same thing. It's the brothers that are bickering. 
the Irish brothers that are bickering, the father, the older father that lives with them and is always yelling at them. Like it, it's just, a, you know, it's it's she's it's a it's a good it's a good album. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a good movie. And the soundtrack, uh, you know, it's got Lindsay Buckingham on it too, helping out Tom Petty. It does. On a few it songs. So. It does it, indeed. Can't go wrong there. We, we're no. hitting all the favorites. We're hitting Jeff Lynn. We're hitting Lindsay Buckingham. <laughs> I mean, you know, what do you want from me in this episode? <laughs> so, yeah, for me, it's like it's like being invited. You know, you, you listen to something like Full Moon Fever, and it's very much what it's, you know, what it conveys. It's the type of album you put on your full blast in your car. You know, a summer afternoon, you roll down the windows, you're, you know, it's much like Jerry Maguire, you know, and Tom Cruise blasting, you know, free fall and mm-hmm. singing at the top of your lungs. That's the kind of feel here. It's like being invited to his house, opening the door, walking down the hallway, get, you know, entering the room. They're pl- already playing the title track, you know, Wildflowers. And it, it really sets the mood for the entire album. And you just sit down and you just you just absorb this whole thing. And it it, it really affected me in a, in a, in a more serious emotional way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I, I, I just think it's the finest thing he's ever done. I mean, despite, you know, all, I mean, all the great things he did with Jeff Lynn and stuff. I love, I mean, it's, just, it's real close, but this album kind of edges that out. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, it kind of has taken on that resonance. I mean, they may not have liked it if, that much at first or or perhaps they did well yeah i think it was, it was an un, more of an understated album at the time yeah in in, in light of how popular into the great wide open was because that you know that music video with johnny depp was everywhere and mm-hmm. and then you know with the wilburys he, he it might have been a little bit of petty overexposure and and doing wildflowers kind of brought it kind of brought it back down a little bit and kind of yeah. very understated even though you don't know how it feels was it was a pretty big uh, pretty big music video at the time, but everything else on this album is kind of, even the heavier stuff. Though it's just like understated. It's just kind of like they just kind of recorded it and, and put it out. You know, it's kind of like okay, here it is. You know, wildflowers and and with with the title like that, you think it's going to be be something like that, like mellow and and yeah, which a lot of it is. But the, the I can't I can't get away from the heavy stuff. You know, the yeah. heavy stuff is just heavy. <laughs> it, it, is. it is. It is. And I like, you know, like, oh, when my they God. Played, when they played SNL and, when, you know, because Stan Lynch had left at this point and they didn't have Steve Ferroni yet. He was still on tour with someone at the time. They got Dave Grohl to play yeah. uh, on drums on the, on the SNL when they when they appeared on, you know, they did a couple of songs there. And he was just like, me? What do you want me for? But when, when you see them play the song, you know, they really go all out. And of course, Dave Grohl is like you know, <laughs> thrashing all over the, the place. In the background. Yeah. So, <laughs> But then, you know, they did uh, Letterman. And that's when Steve Ferroni was officially inducted into the band as a heartbreaker. And I think th- I think as a result, the, this album really fended some menses. Uh, fended some menses. Now you talking like me? Mended some. Fe- oh my god! I, I did that the last episode. That was that was horrible. I did. Mended- I did. Uh, I did. Neam Leeson. <laughs> a couple of episodes ago. So. Oh my goodness! Welcome Mended to old. Men- welcome yeah. to old age. That's right. Um, no, this we're gl- glad to have you. Brought the heartbreakers back to a level where they, you know, they they had a new point of view. Yeah, a reset. They- and they kind of and they carried on. And I think I have to say a lot of the albums that came after this are, in my opinion, are some of the, the finest work he's ever done. Like some mm-hmm. of these like like Echo and, uh, you know, I'm thinking of, of Mojo and, and, yeah. and Hypnot- even Hypnotic, Hypnotic Eye was, was yeah. amazing. I mean, if it's so late in his career, you know, yeah, I think it, I think it was, you so, know, I, I think he I, I don't think he 
I don't think it was the intent. I think Tom Petty, with Wildflowers and, and his solo stuff, kind of felt like he needed to do it, but it was exactly what the Heartbreakers needed, and they didn't realize it. Like, they figured, oh, we're just going to keep going. We're a band. We make records together. I, I think it, you know, I think it might have petered out if this other stuff didn't happen to him, and he didn't have this kind of a uh, kind of uh, surge of independence. Yeah. And saying, yeah, you know, I'm going to assert some control over stuff I want to do. And, and, but we still have the heartbreakers and we're still involved. And it's not, you know, we're not breaking up. It's just a, mm-hmm. it's just a break, not breaking up. And, and on, on this album, I think that's, I think there is a little bit of invigoration. Like they kind of got through into the great wide open, which is an experience that they weren't too fond of. And then you move into, into wildflowers where they're all there and they're all playing and they're all probably in, in a more comfortable environment where it's more, yeah, we're just going to lay this down. We'll record it. We'll get it done. Yeah. And, and you get, you get some really, you know, top shelf stuff, you know, like, like, uh, like honeybee and mellow stuff like time to move on. Oh my God. That, that's just, a, you know, there's just so, so there's yeah. a lot of great stuff in here. I, I wrote down like six, <laughs> like six tunes, like really quick that, you know, I'm like, wow, I could just kind of, listen to these yeah i got i, uh, I got wildflowers that's actually uh kelly's favorite my wife kelly's favorite mm-hmm. um you don't know of course you don't know how it feels steve ferroni's drumming on that that's what really got him the gig yeah. I mean, it's just no but you know what i could i could picture i could actually picture jeff lynn producing that one and i could there just are a couple it. of tracks on here where i'm like well that was the thing is when i was listening to it i'm like oh this sounds yeah. like could have been but but what that means is just that that tom petty was learning yeah and absorbing, and the, then the, I think, like I said, that you can't you can't under, you can't under, understate the influence of Rick Rubin, also of, of giving mm-hmm. him the the latitude. Jeff Lynne has a certain style and a certain way of working, and that's why you hire him. There are other producers that are kind of like, yeah, I'm just I'm going to kind of guide, and I'll give you some feedback, and we'll we'll toss some ideas around and see what happens, and and go from there. And and that's what this feels like. This kind of feels like, yeah, all, of all those songs, they they knocked out all these songs. It's like, well, here's like the cream of the crop. Yeah, here's and and there's it's such a good mix of it too. So it's not like oh, this is just a really mellow album. It, it's really not. I mean, there's a lot of like it with you wreck me, honeybee. I mean, cabin down below. I love that song. God, Cap, it, <laughs> yeah, it that's a, that's epic. That one, yeah, and, like because uh, it sounds nothing like it doesn't sound like anything that they've ever done. That's right, cabin down and below. I and love, I'm like listening. I'm like love, wow, which you know? this one sounds a little bit more sort of from you know also the the but to find a friend I I, I that one kind of kind of latched on. Yep. To. Yeah, I have that written down too. I have that some, as, as some as lyri- some lyrics of that really kind of hit home with me. And uh, yeah, house house in the woods. I love oh, yep. is what you know. So yep. yeah, it, I would be I would love to have heard the album in its original sequential order though. And that's something, oddly enough, nobody knows what the original sequential order is at this point. With, even with the re-release and everything, they 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 can't find it. They, the the hmm. notes have been discarded, or that, not even Rick Rubin knows like how the album Ada Petty, you know, uh, Tom Petty's daughter, who put this pretty much put this package together, said she goes, "Yeah, we used to have like my dad would always have like this this tape, like it was one of those uh, acid tapes that he would play all the time." It pretty much, I think, was probably the the original, you know, sequential order, and and it had an, an extra track on the very end. And she remembers the extra track, but she doesn't remember <laughs> how, what the order of the album was. Uh, everything like, else, oh, you know, like yeah. <laughs> so you know, it, well, but, as long as wake up time is at the end, I, I, it's the perfect. You know, we talk a lot about closing songs and and what kind of yeah. songs close out. I think people, so a couple of people, have tried to put it in there, and I guess in their own way, in their own yeah. terms. 
but uh but yeah that that's kind of the one thing i don't like about the the all the rest portion of the re-release is the, uh, it the the songs do feel somewhat tacked on you know because you have this amazing album before it and then you have these other songs so i re- i would have preferred to have you know, if they even attempted to just kind of put him in some other order, you know, at this point. So, but that, yeah, I mean, without any indication, you're just, you're just guessing. But so I, it's have probably to, I have to, to say it. it's a, it's a much better experience on vinyl. It mm-hmm. is, it is you, you know, cause you have those sides that you can just the first five tracks on the, on, 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 on side one is like, yeah, that, you know, one great song after another. And they just, yeah. You know, so it's a much better experience on vinyl. I highly recommend it to anyone who who has never, you know, because yeah. vinyl. I've, I've, I have a vinyl story for you. I don't know if you remember it, but a, f- a few years ago, uh, a friend of mine invited me to go like pick pick vinyl from his his house. He was moving to California, and he, he was kind of up a little little further up the line in New York. And he's like, yeah. you know, I got all these albums. Come, you know, come get whatever you want. And I remember I called you and I said, listen, I'm going to go, I'm going to look at some albums. I said, is there anything you want me to look for? And you only, you said one thing. You literally said one thing. Wildflowers. You said, yeah, if there's a copy of Wildflowers, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what, 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 copy of what? <laughs> and you're like, copy and, of Wildflowers. And it wasn't, it wasn't there, but, um, but yeah. No, so even back then you were like on, like on Vine, that was like the only, you could have asked for like a- anything. Yeah. And you literally said, if there's a copy of Wildflowers, grab it. Yeah, because I I kind of I kind of I would have done, but I would have made you pay. I, <laughs> you would have. Well, paid. I, I don't think that there was. A, you know, there might have been a very extremely limited you know release. Yeah. I, well, ninety four, they were still making vinyl. If you could find this album, it's it, it's worth well over like a you're paying like a thousand bucks easy for it for an original copy, which is you know, you know no way. But but yeah, because I because I kind of figured. I mean, you know, listening to it on CD. It is a long CD to get through. You know, you have to really, you know, you, you end up skipping over tracks. You know, you do end up doing that. You know, you can't just listen to this album willy nilly and just, you know, sort of half-assed. And you get, you got, you got to really experience it from beginning yeah. to end and and really absorb absorb it. And I think vinyl really does that well. And I'm so glad that it's we're back in that in that mode where you know yeah. we can actually. You know, it may not be the original original pressing, and you know that this obviously has been remastered. So, well, I, I think it, it no matter how you listen mix. to it, you know, I, yeah. I think I think it, it deserves. Yeah, I think you're right about that. It's it, I don't think if you do this piecemeal, you kind of lose. I think you lose the script a little bit. Yeah, you know where it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, I'm listening to three songs and I'm going to go do something and come back, and it's kind of you you know it, it is 15 songs, but. If you have like a drive, you you get to be in your car for a while, or you got some mm-hmm. windshield time or whatever. You like put this on and just let and let it kind of wash over you. I mean, that's really what it is. It, it's it's just got uh, it's got a it's I want to say it's got an intimate feel, but I don't. When I say intimate, I don't mean like sparse with just like a guy with a guitar and that's, that's no. All it's you intimate have. Like in Don the McClain, sense that- it, it's 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 got an in, it's got a warm like you said. It kind of has like a warm feeling and an inviting. You are feeling in the room. You yeah. are in, it's a very in the room feel. It's a very, yeah. it's not over polished, the production standards on this album. So yeah, yeah. You, you, you do get the sense that you're actually watching these people play in your living room. So that's, I always have that feeling too. Like when I listen to it, I, you know, especially with headphones, it's, it's an amazing, uh, amazing thing to, to hear. Last week I had tickets. I bought tickets to see the documentary on the making mm-hmm. of this album. Did not get to see it. However, went to the theater. Uh, really, really pissed me off. I was just, I was so Uh-oh. annoyed. 
yeah, went to the theater with my wife. We were we were all excited, you know, because this is one of her favorite albums as well. Mm-hmm. Sitting there, and I we, we figured, well, we're just going to be like, you know, the only two people. I don't I, I don't see a lot of people coming out <laughs> to this thing, honestly, because yeah. it kind of came out of nowhere, right? I mean, yeah. when we hear about it, if anybody even heard about it, but. 50 there must have been at least 50 60 people there which is not bad not a bad mm-hmm. turnout for this for this thing you know this one time only kind of thing and I, oh you know we were i was so stoked and 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 this and the screen just went blank and they they started playing the preview of, a, of another of another movie and then all of a sudden the screen went blank and the manager came in and he's like we can't show it and i'm like what, what do you mean you can't show it how do you not have <laughs> a physical copy of this movie well, but, not some, well, that's the new thing. That's, is it gets streamed. The new thing. It's streamed. Yeah, it now. gets streamed in digitally. So that's yep. what it was. And he said that it, what our theater was not the only theater who had pro- every Regal Cinema Theater had problems with oh, this boy. thing on the East Coast. So nobody got to see it if you went, um, which was it's too bad. But um, it will did, be available. Did they, did they on show YouTube. you? Did they show you Trolls Two instead? The animated? No, they actually gave, gave us tickets. We'll, we'll show you the new Bond film. I said already seen it. <laughs> Don't need it. Done. How about, how about the Tom Petty that I paid for? That's how right. How about that? Yeah. So the wow, money I got. So the money I'm I got. Sorry. Yeah. So the money I got back from that, I actually bought. I I went ahead and bought the album. You know, yeah, the, that's all it. the rest and right? and the, the other one Regal too. Cinemas. Sorry, Regal. That's right. So you you know, there there you go. Tom Petty got the money anyway. I finally got Wildflowers on vinyl. I got the nice. you know the uh, the alternate version on vinyl. Nice. And then um, yeah. So that was uh, that was. That's my experience with this album. I, I I really can't reiterate enough of just how special this one. I consider it, dare I say it, it's like it's my it's Good. it's it's right in the wheelhouse of Tusk. It's right in the wheelhouse. I I would even go as far as to say Pet Sounds in that sense because wow. because it's so because it's so personal, not musically you know yeah, sonically yeah. you know but sure but because it's so like emotional and so mm-hmm. sort of uh and this is you know the you know us we're not into like lyrics where we you know music comes first the production standards come first but this is an album that i really took notice of and, and it really means a, a a big deal to me so it is my favorite album that being from, said from, petty. from, from petty. tom petty gotcha. from tom petty yes <laughs> <laughs> no and i I, so. I, I, I totally see the i get the tusk comparisons I, I get where you're simpatico with it where you kind of would would el- could elevate it uh, on that level mm-hmm. uh, i i totally see that in in the album um and like and like i said it is it, it is a different it is it's it's an evolution right and this is if i mean it's a really you just made a really salient point is that this is the tusk to full moon fever's rumors right where he makes exactly. an album that's wildly yeah. successful and People are going nuts. Tom Petty, this Tom Petty, that and, and yada, yada, yada. And then he's like, okay, let's kind of move away from that. Nothing against any of that. Right. It's not disavowing it. Let's let me move away from that and and continue to try something like that was him trying something different. And this was him trying something different again. Yeah. You know, he didn't just re- retreat into, into the heartbreakers. He kind of got the heartbreakers around him, but then said, let's, let's go in and let, let me do another solo album, which again is really kind of odd that you know, a Heartbreakers album is booked bookended by two solo albums. But if it's going to be stuff stuff like this, you're not going to go wrong. Like I said, and and I can't wake up time. Oh my god, it's it's such a perfect way. To, I just I, I know I said it before, but <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Like that that feels like like a composer 
Like that feels yeah. like a song that was that was composed. Not mm-hmm. it's it's not like one of the rockers and the ravers. It, it's got a, a, a lush feeling to it, and I think that's the mo- the most emotional song for me for some reason. Something about his his vocal. It's kind of vulnerable. Yeah. Um. You know, very it's kind of a lot of solo, not, not a lot of instrumentation in parts of it, and then there is, you know, and I like that kind of stuff where where it's it's kind of produced. Um. So so for me, that's kind of a. Uh, and, and there's some there's some through lines. There's some reminders. I, I think some songs call back to to Full Moon Fever, uh, in in kind of in style. Now let me ask you this: mm-hmm. What about Highway Companion? Um, Highway Companion for anybody. Highway Companion is 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 the third. He made third. He made three oh. solo albums, and that one wouldn't come until uh, 2006. Mm-hmm. So he really kind of after after knocking two out pretty much almost sequentially for the most part took a 12 year hiatus and then decided to do another, another solo album with Jeff Lynn, with Jeff Lynn, Jeff Lynn comes back on board and comes back but on I board. think, I think it's what, but happens, I think the results are very different. They're not, it's not full moon fever part two. What happens here is the effect that wildflowers had, I exactly. think it has on this album. It's the combination album, of the it's, two. It's, it's, it's a, a warmer album. It's not the typical Jeff Lynn. It's scaled back. But it's, it's got that tightness. Know, yeah, it's exactly. not. It's not the. Yep. You can make a case that Full Moon Fever is, you know, it's not. But you can say, oh, it's kind of ELO-ish, or it's got that kind of feel to it, and that you mm-hmm. know that thing. And I think that Highway Companion is kind of like the mashup. Yeah. Of Full Moon Fever and Wildflowers, <clears throat> it's got it's got the vulnerable stuff. It's got the great tight production, but scaled back, mm-hmm. and, and kind of brought down a little bit, and not so, so so uh, architectural the way yeah. he does it but like you know like songs like saving grace and just you know ugh. <clears throat> yeah like there's there's a lot on there and I, I if you're not into tom petty and the heartbreakers i would i would say pick up his three check out his three solo albums like i think it's an interesting part of his career that you can kind of pull out of everything that he's done you know the wilburys were one thing it's kind of like okay they're a group and it's kind of you know it could be like hillbilly ish or, or kind of a little bit goofy Pull out the three solo albums, I would say. What do you think? And, and, and just No, I totally yeah, agree. Check those I, out, and I think you'll get a good feel. Well, that's that's how it came. Yeah, that's how it was for us, wasn't it? I mean, we got that's how we I got into Tom Petty. It was it was it was very much these albums, and like I said, the the work that came after Wildflowers to me still isn't your typical Heartbreakers type of stuff. He's doing blues. He's doing. Mm-hmm. They're going like real deep and you know more rootsy. The quality of the songwriting is is that much stronger. I I prefer this period in Tom mm-hmm. Petty's career rather than going back to the the, I the, mean, jang- not, the jangly guitar, the jangly guitar. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> the wrong birds. with it. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> right? There's not. There's really nothing wrong with that stuff. I I I you know I love it for what it is, but you know for for him to emerge as he did in during this period, it's it's it was a great great thing to see. Yeah, it just shows I'm longevity, sure. and he's just you know he wasn't going to kind of just he wasn't going to certainly go quietly. Yeah. <laughs> into that night especially with like the last dj and stuff like that still had a lot of anger still had a lot of things to say and yeah uh, a lot of opinions so uh, yeah absolutely I, I, I would say i would say grab the three solo albums i, I think you'll get a nice cross-section of the development and that's what 89 to 2006 so that's like a 17 year span mm-hmm. but i think it's a you know you get two that are almost on top of each other and then you got a 12 year kind of pause and then he revisits his solo work again which i think is was kind of interesting that there wasn't another one dropped in like the late 90s or 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 early 2000s that's right 
So I, I do recall, um, I think I'm, I might embarrass you a little bit. Oh, boy. Again? <laughs> Jeez. I, I don't like this seat at all. <laughs> the seat's getting hot. I, I, I do recall the day, unfortunately, that we lost Tom Petty. Uh-huh. And, I, and I remember you know, getting a text from you. You know, did you hear about Tom? I was like, yeah, you know, it sucks. You know, and I, and I think I called you not to, you know, just like yeah, maybe I don't know if I minutes. called you or you called me right after. And you couldn't talk. You, yeah. you were, you were so emotionally distraught over it. I, I, I had never seen you get this emotional about anybody, <laughs> yeah, right. especially somebody. I mean, what, what, what was going through your head there? What, what, what really, I always wanted to know, like, I never really <laughs> asked you, yeah. but what did it like? What was, what was it about Tom Petty's death that, that really got to you at that point. It was I, just, I don't, I don't you know, know what, yeah, it was, it was kind of strange. It was cause I remember that when I called you too, and I was mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, Oh my God. I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't believe this. It was just like, maybe cause it was so unexpected, so sudden. And just like, he was one of the good guys. Yeah. Like he yeah. was a guy that you're like, <clears throat> Tom Petty's a guy that you rooted for. He, he seemed like a guy that is, was approachable yeah. Like you, this is a guy that you could be talking to in a diner somewhere and, and right. not know yeah. it's him. And like, so like he was one of the good ones, you know, what, you know, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't find out until around that time or a little bit before all the struggles he had, he had a significant mm-hmm. amount of struggles with heroin and drugs and mm-hmm. not, not even counting what he was going through before he passed away with his hip and all that stuff. But, um, so I, I think it was such a shock, you know, and, and just kind of, you know, he was, he was one of the guys, right. And for me, like one of the, it was like another Wilbury. You know, it was kind of like, you know, George Harrison and Roy yeah, so like right. a lot of these artists that I really like, mm-hmm. it's like, no, not another, like not another one, you know, and then yeah. Glenn Fry, And it's like, you know, like, no, yeah, not I, another I, one. I, that was very much, I, I was going to say Glenn Fry. Yeah. He, it, he, he took that one. That one took me by surprise. Yeah. It like, so it's it very it's much like, the same thing. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, yeah. I, I, you know, I guess we were fortunate enough to, to experience these artists in their heyday. And I think that's what it is too. And maybe it's kind of a feeling of your own mortality, not to get too deep in it. That's right. But it's kind of like, yeah, if you're, you know, we're losing these, these, these idols or these, these artists that we really connect with and have been a part of our lives. It, it's, you know, right. I mean, it, it's, it is a yeah. part of our lives when, when you listen to, if you're a music lover and you listen to it as much as we do, a little, a little piece of you dies. Yeah, you. absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, God, God, it's damn, hard. You know, it's like, it man, really is hard. Yeah, and and that one, I, for some reason, I was just like really hit. And I I I think I I think I called you afterwards. I I, I was like, I got to talk to Eric. I just got to like talk to somebody about it. Yeah, um, and you couldn't and, talk. Yeah, I was kind of like, like, yeah, hang up. like I'm like, I, wow, I've never heard you. I've never heard speechless. you choke up. <laughs> no, I've, I, I I think you've never I heard me I've, speechless. I think I might have seen you tear up once in my life. Charlotte's you know, Web. Our, <laughs> <laughs> it was Guardians <laughs> Two. Guardians Two, yes. <laughs> Both were sitting there freaking sobbing. And we we're both crying when, when Yondu was like, I'm Mary Poppins, <laughs> yo. No, but I recall a few other, there yeah, are other no, times. Absolutely. You know, we, you know, I, but, I do. Um, there are, I do have tear ducts, contrary to popular belief. <laughs> they're they're, they're yeah, very small. I, they're very but small. That, but, but that, that really, that really got me. And I yeah, was just kind of like, but it, it, it you know, you kind of approach it from the standpoint of trying to be realistic about it. Well, you know, the music lives on. We didn't know these people personally, you know. You kind of go yeah. there, but on the other hand, you do know them through the music. So yeah, it, it is. When it you, is a blow. When you internalize that, when you said this was this album was important to me for X, exactly. Y, and Z, it is a part of you. Then, right? That's because right. It's, it's You're absolutely you, right. Yep. It's hit you in a place that 
that maybe other songs hit other people. And, and that's the whole thing. And that's the beauty of, of music and film and, and art is it, it you, you don't know how it, you're going to connect with it and you don't know what effect it'll have on you. And sometimes until it's, it's gone, right. Until that, you know, then you don't, then you realize, Oh man, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, no, never again. And it's, you know, so yeah, that's, that's what it was without, you know, putting too far well, point on it. Well, that being that said, everyone's all depressed and like, you know, <laughs> going out on a, but you know, so, um, yeah, we miss him. He's, you yeah. know, he, he was, he was truly one of the great ones. And, uh, yeah, I mean, such, such a fine gentleman. I think I, you know, you just seem like a, a genuinely great person, great soul. And, you know, he is missed. So, yeah. And, but before we close, just one other tidbit about him in that, in that full moon fever era, right before it, um, somebody tried to kill him. That's right. Somebody right? tried somebody, to burn like, his house he, down. His yeah. house was on, he got like noticed that his house was on fire or something. And it was burning down. And when they did the investigation, it wasn't an accident. It was arson. And, yeah. and that was kind of a wake up call for him. It was like someone like tried to kill me. Like this wasn't like a burner left on or a candle that tipped over. Right. It was like someone like lit someone my house on fire. To, me. To yeah. <laughs> and, and that's where that song I won't back down actually came from was like a statement of I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm here. You're not going to, you're yeah. not going to, you're not going to frighten me. So, um, so good on him for, you know, absolutely for standing up yep. to it. So, all right. So that's wildflowers. Um, check it out folks. If you haven't heard it, I would highly recommend you get the vinyl. You don't even have to get the full on, deluxe package of this thing with the multiple you know there's like five different discs and all this kind of stuff you know just get the album the the album and all the rest and there's another vinyl that he released and it's just alternate the best of the alternate versions uh with some extra bonus tracks on there so though these two i highly recommend um and that's gonna do it for this episode of the 3324 podcast i am eric you know, check us out, like I said before, and, and early on, and check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, we'll be looking forward to you. We do uh, bi-weekly live shows, so we'll be looking for you there. And um, so for Dean, I am Eric, and we'll catch you on the flip side. You've been listening to the 3324 Podcast with Dean Legiro and Eric Cooper. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. So please like, subscribe, and rate to become a part of the 3324 family. Your feedback is important, so make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 3324podcast and on Twitter at 3324p to join the conversation. 